Universal Music Group in the headlines today. Bill Ackman SPAC deciding not to proceed with their previous deal. So what's going on with this? What do investors really need to know? Well, uh, thanks for having me, Nicole. Good to see you again. Um, so yeah, Ackman put together, as he all, seems to always do, a very complicated structure, and it looked like it didn't work out. So uh, what that means for investors is that he's got 18 months to put that $4 billion to use to buy something else. Now, we know from... Um, uh, obviously, the attempt to buy Universal Music and his conversations with Airbnb with Brian Chesky last year, that he's kind of hunting around in uh, the uh, media and tech land, but we don't know what he's going to buy. But what I can tell you, though, is that we can kind of back into what it might look like. So if you had some leverage, that $4 billion, they could buy something as big as, say, $15 billion. So it would be a really substantial deal, um, I guess the biggest SPAC deal ever if that happens. So um, I'll be watching that. And also, you know, it's important to note that right now, uh, PSTH is trading at cash. So if you buy it, you don't really have any downside here. So, you know, you could, it's like an option to wait and see what he does, and um, hopefully it'll be something interesting. Mm, okay, very interesting at that with a lot of money to put to work. With, that's, a, that's a lot of money. We're talking about $4 billion. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think that everybody knows Xenia. It's a big brand, very popular right here in Bloomingdale's, announcing a $3.2 billion SPAC deal. How important is this in a time where people have been locked up, they're ready to shop? This is an international name, $3.2 billion SPAC deal. Tell me about this one. Well, Nicole, I like it a lot. So I went through the investor presentation, which just came out this morning, and I, I followed luxury over the years. When I was at the Wall Street Journal in Europe, especially, I was covering a lot of these businesses. They're really resilient, even in downturns. And so for that reason, um, you know, luxury companies command really high multiples. So this thing is trading, uh, this is priced where it is around, I think, 18 times EBIT operating income. And that's like half of what some of the, um, the other guys are at. So Ferragamo is much, much higher than that. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think that there's actually, I think this is really interesting. Um, and and if, I, if I would make one suggestion, the warrants on this, which are five-year warrants, are trading at you know a dollar thirty, dollar forty. So that might be an interesting way to play it too, because that way you get to see, um, you know, you can put a relatively small amount in, and if it takes off over the next few years, you know, you could, you could, you know, be a real home run. Ah, I see. And at a cheaper price than I guess some of the other luxury names, like you're saying. What um, H Y F M, Hydro Farm, on your radar? Tell me about this one. Yeah, so um, this one we really find interesting, Nicole, because you know there are, there are a lot of different ways to invest in cannabis, but these guys, as they say, don't touch the plant, and that makes things that makes the story a lot simpler. So what they produce is hydroponic growing equipment. So it's not just for cannabis; it's also for these vertical farms. Um, but I think that you know the um, the research out there might be a little bit slow because they've announced a couple of transactions, which I believe will put their their EBITDA next year at about $100 million. And if you put a multiple of about 30 on that, I mean, the stock could be worth $70. So I think this is a really interesting one. And, you know, they're they're one of the uh, the two big players in the space. Um, I've met the management team before, really impressive people with a good background. So I, I like this one. I think investors should take a look at it. You know, it's one of these IPOs that, as you can see there on the chart, um, you know, took a beating after running up really high back in, you know, the uh, the frenzy of February and March there. So it's not cheap, but it's it's, it's um, I think it's a really interesting story. I also think it's an interesting story that you send us stats on IPOs. I mean, this is your specialty. IPOs already set an annual record in less than six months. And just like people were locked up at home, these deals were backed up and they poured in. Now there are some market jitters. What yeah. does that mean for deal making and buying IPOs going forward? Well, I mean, Nicole, I think what happened is um, everyone got really excited because the market was so open and, you know, accepting of new deals or new IPOs. 
um, you know, the first couple of months of the year. And I think there was a, I think there was a little bit of a glut. So I think the market, you know, markets tend to overshoot, right? This is how things work. But I think that what we're, what we're seeing now is a more um, rational, um, you know, pricing environment. So, you know, you're not seeing these, I mean, you were having those IPOs before they even announced deals going up to 20 or $30 from 10. It was crazy. Um, you know, I mean, the, the one that, the one that, the one that I think of, I guess, most of all is, um, is lucid motors. I mean, that, <laughs> that thing was at 40 or 50 bucks on a deal rumor. Um, but Nicole, something else that I, if I, if I might point out that I think is interesting is the possibility of more activism in some of these SPACs. So we've seen some examples like Nikola, of course, right? You remember the whole scandal about the, um, you know, the car not actually being able to, to run on its own and was just being pulled. Um, I, I'm, um, I'm expecting that we're going to see more activism in SPACs, both on the short side like that, but also perhaps some traditional activism. And if I might make a quick plug, uh, your viewers are welcome to join our event on Wednesday at two o'clock. You know, go to ipo-edge.com. You can check that out. We're going to have some senior bankers and lawyers who are going to talk more about that stuff. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm really, I mean, based on the conversations I'm having with my sources, I think that's going to be the story in the second half.